Hello and welcome to the Race FF podcast. I am your host, Jaime Garcia. And today, guys, I am super excited about this guest. Uh, you know, there there's a lot of people that I've tried to emulate, or nice way of saying copy, in terms of uh, just their overall stance and behavior out on the track and trying to be as cost-effective. And there's, you know, the type of people that you probably don't meet uh, pretty often out on the track and you only really see what they do through social media, but you get a good vibe of the type of personality that they, that they have. And kind of a fixture in Northeast Honda challenge has been just colorful characters like Dylan. And, you know, this person is an OG. Um, I followed all of the YouTube videos from like, 2015 back when he was racing uh eastern championships to i mean like dude just seeing this guy uh build progress to where it is now um i'm just super happy to finally get a chance to have him on and share his experience and for all of those that do follow this person update with spencer uh anderson thank you for coming on Thanks for having me, man. This is awesome. Thank you, man. So, um, Spencer is currently a Honda Challenge H1 driver. And most of you that have been following the podcast know me as a very, very rookie level Honda Challenge H4 driver. So, what's the biggest difference between, obviously, what people come to know with uh, H4 preparation, which is basically the same thing as a SCCA ITA class um, to an H2. What's the biggest differentiation uh, between our chassis and what we can mod? Um, let's see. H4 and H2 prep are probably pretty similar. Um, the arrow's the same. The wheels are the same. Uh, H4's got a monetary cap on shocks, but... Mm-hmm pretty much still the same kind of kind of stuff um h1 is where it gets a little funky Mm -hmm. um because in h1 you can do roll center uh you can do bump steer kits in the front you can do actually i think that's about it Mm -hmm. as far as suspension stuff that's different um but the cars are so much faster and they make so much more grip Mm -hmm. that the there's some other things that become a little important which i found out about Mm -hmm. so primarily in h1 you're looking at s2000s it's really kind of like the bigger bump up of uh cars that are a little bit more competitive and a little bit more prepped right i mean it depends on who you ask (laughs) um i don't want to aggravate anyone but some people say the s2000 is an underdog i beg to differ um but yeah from a chassis standpoint the S2000 is very good. Mm-hmm. So that's really what you're trying to match. Mm-hmm. Uh, sure, yeah, if you can actually match it, but I'm, I'm still trying. So with the S2000, I think in H, since we were talking about H2, the S2000 is allowed in H2, right? Yeah. So, yeah. but they, they have a caveat where the wheel size or the tire size is limited, I think is 235 or something. Yes, yeah, so the S2000 and H2 is basically a stock CR. 
Mm-hmm. Um, if you don't have a CR, you can put like the CR uh, lamp and spoiler on. Um, I believe it runs on the CR spring, so you can put that in. You can run any damper you want, but they can't be external reservoir. Mm-hmm. At least I think. It's been a while since I looked at HDU, so don't crucify me, people. Um, but um, yeah, and they're limited to what is the 235, 4017. Mm-hmm. Okay. So that, um, and I think the minimum weight is somewhere around 2,700 pounds, which, I mean, we know that. As being modern cars, most modern cars just by design are are heavier, and the S two thousand. And again, these are all weights with drivers, so you have to add in, you know, for someone who's chunky like me, two hundred pounds on top of the car. So realistically, when we say like twenty seven hundred, we're talking about a twenty five hundred pound car, give and take uh, how many Big Macs I've been eating. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, like I said, I haven't looked at that in a while. I don't remember the exact weight, but I think that's about right. 27 or 2,800. Yeah. Um, so what about for each one? Because that's kind of the cars that I've seen you competing with is like S2000s and H1. Yeah. So an H1 with a F-series motor, it's 2,500 or 2,600. I'm going to fire the rules up here in a second so I can get you some accurate weights. <laughs> 20, um, and that's with drivers, so that's that's light. It's hard. It's hard to do, um, and it's engine dependent. So if you're uh, if you're on a K series, it's heavier. Mm. Um, if you got extra, or if you have triples, and the weight goes up. Excuse me. And then if you have a J series, it goes up again. Um, I think the J weight is thirty two hundred right now. Wow. Um, which I already know I pissed some people off, so sorry. <laughs> Um, but, um, yeah, so the S2000 up until, uh, I don't know, I'm going to say about four years ago, really struggled to compete in H1. So we kept giving them, you know, whatever they asked for as Mm -hmm. far as more performance. Um, but you're only going to get so much out of that engine. So we kept moving the weight down, kept moving the weight down. But I think there's only like two people that have been able to get down to weight. And like you said, can't be a chunky guy to do it. No, um, and you really got to start from scratch and like take everything out of the car, probably acid dip it, get it super duper light, and then only put back the bare minimum. Yeah, I mean, I'm going through those struggles as I sit with you guys in the Race FF studios, which is the H4 Honda Civic with the dash ripped out. As I'm looking at my HVAC system, praying that with with removing this and the AC system and maybe some of this. Uh, uh, what is it? Firewall dampening thing. Um, I, I can get over uh seventy pounds. Uh, I'm just praying for that. I I would wish, maybe eighty. I don't know if it's gonna happen, but uh, we'll we'll see. We'll take a measurement. Yeah, you never know. Mm-hmm. Just keep taking stuff out of it. <laughs> <laughs> so you also drive. For those that don't know, uh, Lobuck also drives a EG Civic. Um, with a case swap and for a while you were doing h2 for uh, i think a, a good while but uh yeah. the k series is fairly new so before that you were running uh what engine so when i was in h2 i ran i had a b16 for 
hang on, let's go back. I had a GSR no. for a while. I broke one of those. I put another GSR in that exploded in fabulous fashion at championships one year. Um, and then I went to the B16s. So I thought, oh, let's try to be light and see what happens. And I had a B16 in that car for eight years until it literally fell out. I remember uh, we, we talked about that, and that's why I'm keeping the torque mounts on the EG. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep, yep, yeah. So I had an EF chassis before this EG mm-hmm. um, car that I ever could have wrecked because that car was horrible. But um, I never had torque mounts because that car didn't have them. So I never thought about it until, uh, yeah, the motor mounts bolts, motor mount bolts sheared off in the block when we were at pit race and load fell out. Um, so after that, I put a Type R in it. So let's try this for a little while. And it was good. Uh, it was definitely quicker. But even then, like I spent, I want to say 4000 on that from H Motors. And they're like ten grand now. But even then, I was like, nah, man, this thing feels expensive. And it's not really as quick and straight line as I thought it was. Mm-hmm. And... Wow. Um, it was enough that I was really driving away from people. and like, all right, this is boring. So took that out, put a K-Series in, went to H1, figured I'd give myself a new challenge. Man, did I get one. <laughs> so with, with all of the plethora of K-Series that are out there, uh, which K-Series did you go with? I went with the K24A2. So that's... Um, TSX one? Oh, um, TSX, it's an 06 one, so it's got the slightly Ooh. larger valve and a better yeah, cam. Yeah, yeah, love it. So I went into the K series stuff not knowing anything about the K series, really. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was like, I want to learn about it because it's going to be, you know, what's popular. It's already what's popular, but mm-hmm. you know, coming up in Hump Challenge, it'll be more popular. Um, and I wanted to go to H1 to like see what the hell is going on and try to fix it. Mm-hmm. Um, which I've never seen anybody else do that, but okay. Um, so I talked to a bunch of people that I know that run K-Series, and everybody's, oh, K24 is the way to go. makes a bunch of torque. They're like 900 bucks. Awesome. So got one of those. Um, it has a 0405 RSX Type-S gearbox, mm-hmm. which I um, mm-hmm. found out some interesting things. If I went and did it again, I'd probably do a five-speed. And why is that? So the third, fourth, and fifth in a five-speed is the same gear ratio, give or take very minimal changes, Mm -hmm. to the fourth, fifth, and sixth in a DC5 Type-S gearbox. Mm. Uh, But the muscle memory of driving a P-series, or in your case, a D-series, for so long, like, your three-fourth shift is now a four-five shift. So, and there's a lot of that, and you're like, I got to be conscious of the shift, or I'm going to miss it and blow this thing up. Uh, And it takes a little while to get used to. You're making a lot of four or five shifts, Mm -hmm. and they're cheaper because nobody wants a five speed. So, um, I mean, I got mine for like six hundred bucks. It wasn't bad, but now the prices are coming up. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I would probably do that. You don't have to worry about all the weird shifting nonsense of. Mm trying not to land in third gear because it's a cable and it'll go in any gear you want nice yeah so it's interesting you brought that up because obviously there's been a lot of talk in uh socal about the possible move to um h 
too, because we're the last of all of the Honda Challenge series to be in um, in H4. So obviously everybody wants to play with everybody. So um, there have been talks. I don't know how serious it is yet. I'm sure um, like in every organization, there's one guy who does a lot of building for a lot of the guys who are just into racing and can afford to just be into the racing part and can mm-hmm. pass off the responsibility of uh, wrenching. Um, from what it seems, uh, you and I are not one of those people. We both have a, what is it, a, a really small garage setup, so we have to think very methodically of the projects that we do at a time. So I, uh, yep. I, I feel some kinship there. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I was just in my garage going, where can I reorganize? Because it is a little snug in here. Oh, man. I, I, try taking your dash out of your car with a cage while all the doors are still closed and trying to fiddle with things as I have a full set of tires in the rear and, like, three uh, new wheels that I got from a fellow Honda Challenge racer. Uh, all right. I got one for you. Ooh, Quick I like story. it. Go for um, it. So my car, I'm picking my car up tomorrow. It's in Buffalo. I'm getting some fab works, getting a new cage. Oh. Uh, by the time this comes out, the pictures will probably be out. Um, yeah, there's a whole story that goes with that too. But um, the guy is doing it. He calls me up and he goes, um, how do you get your dash out? And I'm like, what do you mean? And he's like, well, I took all the bolts out, but I can't. Like, it's still in there pretty solid. I'm like, I don't know. He's like, what do you mean you don't know? So I bought that car with a cage with the dash in it. I never took it out. Probably been there since Kevin Helms built the car in 2005 or something like that. Holy shit. Yeah, that car is the... So that was Kevin's second H1 car. And it probably ran in, like, to the second or the third season of Honda Challenge ever. Wow. That's dope. There's some funny videos of it if you go looking back in the archives. But, um... Yeah, he uh, he just parked it to build an, e- an EK chassis just to have mm-hmm. a more modern car for the business. And I bought it. And I've been slowly destroying it ever since. <laughs> oh, man, uh, that's funny. So, yeah, obviously, um, you know, working on our cars can be uh, a bit of a challenge. And you more, more than anybody because you actually deal with seasons. Right here, we only have a sunny and hot and then we have a little bit of cold with drizzle over there you have uh you have uh what is uh snow see over here in socal we get to drive to the snow and then when we're tired Mm. of it we we drive back home and then it stays where it's supposed to be far away from you (laughs) must be nice yeah Yeah, uh, i think it was 13 degrees this morning jesus right Yeah, yeah, literally. <laughs> literally. <laughs> yeah, I actually, when I brought my car up to the kids' builder, um, I left the water in it. Oh, because uh, I was lazy. So it sat on a trailer running while I was on the highway for probably four or five hours. <laughs> Shit. I pulled up to his house. He's like, Why is your car running? I'm like, It still has water in it. <laughs> yeah. Oh, boy. Yeah, that that's something we, we don't really deal with. I mean, now that NASA's doing more events, because um, this season I think we have nine total events, um, 
Willow and everywhere else, they get too close to um, freezing or they could be below freezing at night. So that's something we kind of have to consider, maybe even adding like a little bit of uh, antifreeze just to keep it from uh, freezing overnight because, yeah, Willow can, I know with the wind chill, it can get uh, really, really cold. Yeah, definitely going to be careful with that. I mean, I know it takes a little while to freeze, but... Like our first event at Watkins Glen in 2021, um, first or second event, something like that. I met up with everybody in town when I got to the track. Oh, we're having dinner, come by, whatever. And it was cold. Not bad, though. I'd say maybe 35, something like that. Cold for me is 50. Um, Maybe it was 40. Maybe it wasn't bad. Mm-hmm. And they're like, oh, no, I hope you brought snow tires. And I thought they were kidding. You're like, oh, no, you'll see. So when you drive to the Glen from the town, it's 1,400 feet up. So oh. As you're driving, it's starting to rain, then it's starting to snow, and then the temperature's going down. The next morning, there was still ice in the paddock. I'm like, I'm oh. not going on track. People are like, no, we're going out for a session. I'm like, bro, I'm not going anywhere until the ice has thawed out. <laughs> wow. Yeah, so SoCal. Sounds like a good place to be. Yeah. I mean, if you want to do uh, track days and, you know, um, I've had this running theme with uh, many of my guests when they are calling in from like East Coast or whatever. I tell them like, yeah, um, I still drive my race car to the track because it takes me like 50 minutes to get to Willow Springs. Uh, Button Willow takes me like about an hour and 20 minutes in the car. Yeah. yeah, and I mean the EG still gets me thirty miles to the gallon, so you know, I look a little funny, but my car uh, passes smog. It's all like legal and whatnot. So, yeah, you know, it, it, it's nice. I still haven't gone to one of our SoCal tracks because it's just way too far. It's uh like almost three hours away from me, and I'm just like, dude. <laughs> Three hours? That kind of commitment? Fuck that. Yeah. Three hours. So the OGs will remember, I drove my first car, which is the white EF that I had. I drove that to every race for the first at least season, maybe two. I love it. I love it. Um, But it wasn't just me. Uh, Zephyr did the same thing for way longer than I did. Mm -hmm. Uh, And he actually has the better story. He drove twice. From New Jersey to Mid Ohio oh, for fuck. championships, fuck. won championships, and then drove back home. God damn, that is gangster AF. Yeah, I remember he went to VIR once and he called me. And he's like, "If I put the heater core lines in backwards, would I not have heat? You know, because I go on the firewall there." And I'm like, "Yeah, probably." Because if you got a thermostat, block it and whatnot. Because it was cold. It was the February uh, VIR event. Mm-hmm. I'm like, why? Where are you going? He's like, oh, I'm on my way to VIR right now, and it's freezing, so I have blankets on my legs while I'm driving. And he hits the bump, <laughs> and you hear all the tools in the car go, kablang! I'm like, oh, goodness. Oh, man. Yeah. That reminds me of my trip from Washington uh, when I got the car's cage done, and I drove it back all the way to SoCal. That was uh, 17 hours nonstop in Woo! this thing. Uh, I remember the post on Instagram, yeah. Yeah, that, that that was fun. Definitely at the checkpoint, I was getting the kind of stairs uh, crossing into California as they're just like looking at what the fuck? 
Why are you wearing a helmet? <laughs> what are all these bars? You're a plumber? What's going on? Yeah, 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 yeah. That's what we'll go with that. We'll go with the plumber. Oh, yeah. Man. I mean, my closest track here, I mean, I live on an island. So if you look at New York State on a map for people mm-hmm. that aren't from around here, and then in the bottom right corner, there's this little thing that sticks out. I live on that little thing that sticks out. So add an extra hour to everywhere that I go because I got to get off the island before I go to the track. Mm-hmm. So, like, time wise, my closest track is three hours away. Jesus. New Jersey Motorsports Park, which is South Jersey, which is an easy drive. It's flat and all. Or mm. Lime Rock. Lime Rock's probably closer. It's definitely closer in mileage. Um, I think Lime Rock can get there in like two hours. Wow. But yeah, I mean, Watkins Glen is five hours. The IR is like seven or ten, Jesus. something like that. And that's like all of the no- so northeast. Your guys' NASA chapter is Watkins. Uh, I think is uh, I'm going to butcher the name NGP Lightning or something <laughs> like that. So it's NJMP, which is New Jersey Motorsports Park. Mm-hmm. That's like our main track that we go to because it's pretty central to everybody from the region. Mm-hmm. Uh, Watkins Glen, which is upstate New York and Finger Lakes. Lime Rock in Connecticut, um, which we only go to once or twice a year because it's hard to schedule there and they have a sound limit. Mm-hmm. So like we have to buy the unmuffled days to try to make okay. it easy for everyone. Um, we have Pocono. We don't go to Pocono because it sucks. Nobody likes it. Really? Um, what, what sucks about it? So Pocono is a roval. So they've redone oh, it. Oh, okay, better. okay, okay. It's a lot better. But the transition used to be really bad from the like NASCAR park to the mm-hmm. infield park. Um, it's like people. I saw a guy in a BMW rip the whole rear subframe out of the car, Ooh. just laterally hitting a bump. The whole thing came out. So, uh, and just people don't like it. So, mm. you know, if people don't like it, they're not going to register. The club's not going to. They're going to lose money on the event. So, we don't race there. Mm. Um, they'll have DEs there, but we won't race there. We okay. have Palmer in Massachusetts, which is another one that's it has a sound limit, and they built it on the side of a mountain. Dude, that track oh. looks so freaking dope it's scary and it's like it just looks like they dropped a track layout on top of a mountain and it's literally what they did and i would love to drive that even though it's kind of terrifying so it's it looks really scary when you watch the videos and whatnot but the track the way i describe that track is if you take the overall dimension of it it's like seven eighth size so when you drive it, it makes sense that you're not going as fast as you thought you'd be going, like when you watch the video. Mm-hmm. So, like, there's a lot of elevation change, and there's some corners that are like, man, I don't know if I can do this flat. And you remember you're going up this crazy hill, and you could just go. Uh, there are some places where you can dumpster your, your stuff real bad. Um, turn one is really the only place that I worry about, because there's no runoff. If you, like, use the brakes or something like that, you're just going to slam okay. into the mountain. But it's really not bad. It's really not bad. It's like I said, a lot of elevation changes, a lot of turns. Uh, really good for like a H four, H two kind of speed car, ST five stuff like that. Okay. And obviously now, now that we're touching on uh, a little bit of the subject, uh, you mentioning <laughs> ST five and H four yeah. and H two all kind of being yeah. in in, uh, in and around uh, the same speed. 
Um, you know, you're also one of the people that's on the rules committee for Honda Challenge. Yes. And, yes. you know, being on the outside, and, and this is uh, something that I'm well aware of, there's just certain things that I'm, I'm not going to know because I'm not in the conversation and also I'm brand new to it. So like there is going to be some ignorance on my side of like not knowing certain rules or not knowing why things are the way they are and the history of things. And, you know, this is something that I I've talked to other people about in, in the sense of like, you know, sometimes you got to do what's best for the group and not necessarily what's best for one specific one-off chassis that might not be running along, because at the end of the day, we want to keep as many people racing in that series and keep the people who are racing there happy and competitive and able to have fun. So you can actually talk about some of the things where it's like, oh, why is something a certain way? And it's got its own logic to it. Okay. I mean, get my fire suit on because I'm going to get flamed for this one. I'm going to in here. Uh, we should be okay. All right. Well, hey, can't be everybody's friend, right? So, the I know like in the last podcast, um, you guys were talking about trying to align H2 with ST5. Yeah. Um, so, people could go to ST5 and, you know, if there's no cars or what have you. Mm-hmm. Which sounds fabulous in theory. Does it does? Um, the problem, and this is when it gets into things that people don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is my argument with why we don't actually do that: is if H two lines up well with ST five, then why do we need H two? Solid point. Well, you guys I can mean, just go run ST five, and people will say, "Well, that's not a thing. We have a class." No, no, it's true. I've been around for a hot minute. I remember when Honda Challenge was on the chopping block and NASA wanted to get rid of it. And mm. this was when PT was still a thing. Yeah. It was like PTSD, but PT was still larger. So they were just, you know, going to get rid of Honda Challenge and everybody was going to get absorbed into whatever PT class they fell into. Mm-hmm. And I, don't, I mean, of course, there's some cars that would work, but generally nobody landed in a good place and they would have had to, you know, really redo the cars to get them to work. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I don't remember who was on the rules committee back then, but we fought all winter basically to keep the series um, and like show that we had been making growth over the years and whatnot in, in the different regions. Mm-hmm. And obviously, we were able to keep it, which is why we still have it. Um, yeah. But that's why, like me specifically, I'm not talking about the rules committee as a whole. Yeah. I'm talking about me as a member, and I'm not the be all and end all of the rules of committee. I know people think I am. I'm not. That's not my job. <laughs> um, I'm happy to help, but, you know, I don't wear the big master hat. But, um, you know, like I said, just for me, like my perspective on everything is like I've seen it happen when they were trying to get rid of the, the series. So I always try to keep that, you know, in the back of my mind when we're making some changes to not, for example, people wanted to just go full on power to weight in, um, in H2. Mm-hmm. And even if the multiplier was different and you mm-hmm. fell in between, just for an example, FT5 and FT4, mm-hmm. you know, the powers that be can look at that and go, oh, you guys are power to wait. Why don't you just change this number and then just go run in ST whatever 
yeah. less class we get to get. So let, that's let's, why I like some of the things that are doing. Yeah, it, it makes sense uh, at the organizer uh, level because instead of having a, a separate Honda Challenge group that's going to be crowding and, you know, picking on the uh, Miatas, um, you know, you can have them be absorbed in the PT class and then, you know, bingo, bango, it's gone. And, oh. you know, for me, um, those that who have listened to me talk and uh, ramble on i love honda challenge specifically because of the camaraderie all of the drivers that i've met you dylan everybody else and to hear uh i mean i, I don't want to s- make it sound uh like more nefarious but to hear a threat of it being a uh, uh, taken away is just like especially before I, I get a chance to actually go out there and drive it it it, uh, it hurts a uh, a bit to know that you know, yeah, it, it would be nice to have like certain things, but and and again, it goes back to what we were talking about. Um, some things that I may not know, and yeah, I mean, it, it makes perfect sense. Why would you want to take a precious track time with another org or another uh, class if you could have it all absorbed into one? Yep, yep, and. Like, I don't know if it's still an issue um, as far as, like, Hunt Challenge going away. But, mm-hmm. you know, the thought of, hey, if we have less classes, we have more racing was one of the kind of thoughts behind it. Mm-hmm. Which, you know, always sounds great. Yeah, we're going to have these fields of 40 cars and this and that. Anyone that's racing in a big field knows it doesn't matter if you've got 40 cars or 75 cars. You're racing about three or four cars. Yeah, that's it. You know, like um, I had a lot of hunt challenge guys. Oh, we're gonna go run grid life. It's gonna be awesome. Um, the fields are big. Blah blah blah. Yeah, the fields are big. The racing looks pretty good. You know, um, but like you're gonna land in a spot wherever you land, and you're gonna race three or four cars. You're not racing forty people. So no, no, and I mean it. it there's only because I mean, let's be honest. The rules are set up that the cars are gonna be at about the same level. And, you know, it, even if you the driver disparity between one and another driver is so big, maybe you might get like five, six, ten seconds off of somebody. But then you're going to catch up to that little group and then that's who you're going with. So, yeah, yeah no, like I completely have like almost no H1 cars for working on it. Um, but really, for the most part, there's like two of us. Um, this year, we should have some more. But like our thing was like, okay, we're going to chase GTS 2. Their pace is close. The front guys were quicker than us. Um, so, you know, not racing out of class, but, you know, trying to match their times and using them as like a, a benchmark almost. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, we did that for a little while, and there's some things going on with GTS that might be pretty interesting for this year. Mm -hmm. But, um, yeah, like, I was a Honda Challenge fan before I was a driver. Like, I was around when it started, and I was like, yo, this is awesome. Like, you can, this was in the heyday of Hondas, and you could, like, you know, go in the magazine and look at the Nopi catalog (laughs) and the like, I'm going to get this coilover kit, weapon our coilover kit. <laughs> so but, you know, you could literally get buy whatever you want. 
Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, you're wrong if you got those. Yeah, but, get the you, know, you could buy all these parts and go race this car with a bunch of other of the same kind of stuff. And it just seemed like the, the greatest idea at the time. I was like, man, if I ever go racing, that's what I'm going to do. And I did it. And it works like a charm. And I'm, I'm trying to keep it uh, doing my part. Again, I'm not the leader of the pack, but trying to do my part to like keep it effective, cheap as possible, which is really hard. I know somebody's losing their mind right now going, you made this rule change! It's not cheap anymore, <laughs> but like times are changing and you gotta spend a little bit of money, but you know, there's a cheaper way to do whatever. But, um, you know, trying yeah. to keep it not like a giant money race. You know? Yeah, because I mean, let, let's let's go back to the point that you were making uh, previously, and I think anybody who's involved in Hondas knows the sad fact that B series, D series parts, um, they're getting harder and harder to find. And Honda doesn't make these parts anymore. You know, we're not cool like uh, the Miatas and the GTRs where all of a sudden the manufacturer is like, hey, we still have these, you know, um, we, we still have all of these specs and the tooling to still make these parts so we can go ahead and make you a crank and make you mm -hmm. this. And, you know, yep. when you spin a rod bearing, like especially on a D-series, like the D1666, you spin a rod bearing on it, guess what? There is Junk. no other out there. And yep. I, I've talked with the, a really well-known famous, well, famous in the uh, D-series world, um, and explained why it's hard to machine these parts and why, you know, Honda's, put so much R&D in how, how special these parts are. And we kind of took them for granted. And realistically, if I had known now what I know then, I would have just bought Z6 cranks all day and just gone to the junkyard, got dirty, and then just wait until I could sell them for 500 bucks each. And people would right. be just just gobbling them up. And yeah, yeah and and you and I are completely aligned in the idea that we want to make racing accessible for more people because I think you and I both inherently know that our hobby and our racing is only as fun as people that we have to race with. And if we don't have new people coming in and having a formula available for, available for them to race, it's going to be hard to continue to make sure that our sport grows. Yep. So. It is true. And I'm, that's a, a thought that is constantly rolling in the back of my mind for each one. So, like, uh, and it's, it's probably region dependent, but I'm going to say for the Northeast, like, H2 is just, just growing every year. There's more people. People show up with cars. I don't know. I don't know where they're from. Oh, yeah, we live in Massachusetts. We live over here and there. They show up with stuff. H2 cars ready to rip. They buy it from this guy and they're ready to go. You know, H2 is, I guess it's easier. Um, you know, that kind of car is already out there because it's like um, an SCCA. It would be uh, an STL. ITR car, an yeah. STL car. Um, some of the old IT classes would kind of fall because you'll find some old IT stuff laying around. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, you know, but in each one car, generally you got to build it. 
and I'm trying to figure out what like the market is as far as the person that already has an H1 car or something similar or close to it. Where you'd be like, dude, you can like, you know, throw some toils on your car and I don't know, cut your wing down or whatever, and you can run H1. Um, I know a couple people, but not a lot. And it's tough. Um, S2000s, yes, they are a very good car for that class. But you want to talk about an engine that's on obtainium? Honda stopped making them early. Um, John Olt, shout out John Olt if you listen to this. (laughs) Um, Johnny Olt bought the last one that Honda made. I think it was a short block. Might have been a full one. Mighty short block. Well, the last one that they made had a crate and everything, and pretty sure it blew up uh, later on. But, um, yeah, you know, just racing it and whatever, something happens. But, mm-hmm. um, you know, everybody I know that still runs an F series, they're looking for motors. You know, even if theirs is still running, they're like, and if you find one that's like, even if the crank's torn up, like I have a crank, you just can't get blocks. So, yeah. you know, that's why we gave the S2000 the K-Swap. Yeah, to try to make it more competitive, but it's like, where are you going to get an F-motor right now? Yeah, and I think the, so, the part of the conversation that's missing is also, you know, what happens when you're mid-season and, God forbid, something bad happens and right. you blow your engine. That's a season killer if you can't get something readily available, a fix or a solution and then all of a sudden, you know, if your series has five drivers, now you have four. Guess what? Yep. The first uh, place no longer gets tires. You're right. And, and that's the conversation we just had last night talking about that in H1 where we are paying for tires. And it's crazy. I'm back on 15, so it's a little more cost effective. <laughs> All right, so thousands on seventeens, and it's just like you're just spending so much money on tires. All right, all right. How do you have fifteens on an H one car with a K series swap? Talk to me, buddy. Okay, man, I'm glad I got my fire suit on because I can hear the <laughs> internet just light me up right now. What color is that so, fire suit? Purple. Uh, yet. <laughs> done. Um, Again, I so, followed you for a long time, so I know about that purple suit you don't have. Uh, ooh, wow, I forgot about that one. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, there's a story there that oh, oh, yeah. I'll tell you offline because we don't want anybody to get sued. I love you but, too, buddy. Um, <laughs> um, I don't want anybody to get in trouble, even though it's way after the fact. Yeah. Um, but, um, so I tried the 17s. Um, I talked to a lot of people that recommended the 17s, and I went as far as I could. But the tire is too tall. Mm -hmm. So the biggest thing you're going to run on a Civic or an Integra, anything of that, you know, golden era style, um, is the 255 40. And the 40 is too tall. Um, The 235 would probably fit better. I mean, I know it would, um, Mm -hmm. but it's smaller and you're not getting all of the benefits that you could get going back to 15s. Now, Um, the, everyone that I talked to that says the 17s work better drives an Integra. The Integra Mm. wheel arch is actually larger than the Civic. Mm. 
Um, I have one. I have a clip in the backyard. I haven't measured it to see if it's taller, like let's say from the top of the wheel arch to like the subframe where the lower control arm mounts or something, but something is different. Because uh, everyone I know with an Integra with 17s doesn't really have too much clearance issues. I had to take the biggest hammer I own to, <laughs> like on the driver's side, you know where the engine mount is, like yeah, yeah, yeah. the chassis. So you have that lip on the inside. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I had to hammer that out because it was rubbing uh, to the point where we were like, I could see it in the data. It would slow the car down in the corner. Under compression, it would like, you would have, it, essentially, you would bind uh, on the tire. Yeah, it would lose about three to five miles an hour. Wow. And I'm wide open through the corner. And I'm like, hey, this car just, the first time I drove it, I'm like, it doesn't feel very good. I'm looking at the data. I'm like, it didn't go any faster than the H2 car. It makes more power. It's got more tire. And then we really start looking. I'm like, oh, well, that's why. <laughs> it's losing it in the corners. Um, so I talked to my shot guy, who's a lot better at chassis stuff than I am. Mm-hmm. And I was stuck. You know, I, I couldn't get any faster on the 17s, and I just couldn't understand why it didn't work. And I talked to Angelo, and I'm like, man, I'm struggling. What, what should I try? He goes, all right, refresh my memory. And I told him what I did. And he's like, why would you do that? I'm like, okay, I went the wrong way. <laughs> <laughs> so I had to take out caster because it was rubbing. I had to raise the car because it was rubbing. I had to put a ton more spring in it because it was rubbing. And so just made what did you do to uh, lift the car? You, you buy, yeah, but what specifically did you do? Did you uh, buy like different coilovers? Do like no, fancy stuff? No. So you get about. I have to look in the notes, but you're going to gain like an. I'm just going to ballpark it. Let's say you gain an inch and a half just on wheel size. Mm-hmm. So, but you still need to now raise the chassis off the tire. So in the front, I had enough room that I could raise the spring perch, and I was okay. In the rear, I did not. So thank you, Honda people, for being cheap. <laughs> um, I woke up 3 o'clock in the morning one day, and I was like, they have to make this part, and I found it. So all the guys that lift the CRVs, yeah, the cheap way, will yeah. just put a spacer on the yeah. top of the shock. So that's what I bought. You bought that spacer, buddy. I bought it, and they do the math for you to tell you the, the lift. I was like, all right, well, I need about two inches. So I bought one that was three Put it on, dialed. Perfect. Gotta love Honda for that, man. Gotta yep. love Hondas for that. Yeah, I love cheap Honda people. <laughs> so, um, yeah, and then I did all roll center stuff, and I just couldn't get it to work right. And, like, Jose, the guy that I drive with in H1, he's driven me a lot. We go back and forth, setting cars up and stuff like that. And he's driven with me before. Obviously, he's faster, but still see me drive. And he's like, something's wrong with your car. It just doesn't look the way it used to. It doesn't look as composed through the corners. And like I said, I fought with it for about three years. Called Angelo. He was like, put 15s back on it, basically. Put 15s on it, re-geared it. Um, actually, the first time I didn't re-gear it, I didn't have time. I just put wheels on it and drove it. It was either six or nine miles an hour. I think it was six miles an hour faster on the straightaway. Oh, wow. No changes. Uh, it lost like 40 pounds. Um, yeah. And I was able to then get all the caster that I wanted back, get the ride height back where I wanted it. And the car went 
it picked up, I think, 0.2 lateral G the first time I drove it nice. without even dialing the camber in yet. Nice. So what so, size wheels are you running in order? To, or what's your wheel and tire setup currently? It's 15 by 9 in the front, Damn. 15 by 8 in the rear. So Ooh. a 9 is the biggest thing you can fit. Um, and that's, What size tire? 30, the 245, nice. whatever it is, 245, and then the rear is a 225-45. Yes, I know the 50 is bigger. Um, I just tried to match as close as I could the overall diameter. Mm. Um, just so the car doesn't have like a weird break to it or anything funky. Mm-hmm. But um, the... Yeah, so the fronts are a 35 mil offset with a 5 mil spacer. So they sit right at 30. Otherwise, they would rub the spindle a little bit. Okay. Um, had to grind the brakes to get the brakes to fit. So I put those long <laughs> pistons on. I wasn't buying brakes again. Mm-hmm. So um, you clearance them. There you go. Uh, no, I grind it. I, I wouldn't <laughs> even try to sugar coat it on the clearance. I took a brand new caliper and grinded them until they fit. Uh, it wasn't wasn't too bad. Um, and so I've got the nine four nine wheels, uh, which again people are going to lose their mind. It was all I could find quick to test the theory. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I have two of them. Or I have four of them. So if I break one, I put another one on. But I'm probably mm-hmm. gonna get some other wheels. Um, but Bill's tire, the guy that does tire by us, he came out with his own line of wheels. And I went and measured a set, and his actually cleared better, so okay. you wouldn't have to brush your calipers and stuff. So probably get a set of those uh, coming up in the spring. Tight. But um, yeah, and then like, you know, yes, I went to a smaller tire, but I didn't actually go to a smaller tire. Because on 17s, I'm still four lock, by the way. So there aren't a lot of 17 inch options in four lug, basically Koenig and Rota. But yeah. the biggest thing I could find was a 17 by nine. And on the 255, you really want a nine and a half. And it'll make it. So I wasn't really using all the tire. And I'm starting to like wear funny and all this other jazz. Whereas with the 245 on the nine, it fits a lot better. Hmm. And the rear, the 235, 40, or whatever it is, 17, is smaller, actually, mm-hmm. than the 225, 45. Hmm. Yeah. So they're both on an 8. The 235, 17 sits nice and vertical on the wheel. And on the 15s, it's got a little bit of a bulge to it. Yeah, you know, um, this is something that's kind of, like, weird, and I know that uh, Carlos had mentioned this um, from H4 Honda Challenge. Uh, shout mm-hmm. out to that man. I love him. Um, Hello, <laughs> um, that the 225.50 is, like, a little bit wider than the 225.45. Um, and I think even, uh, I'm horrible with names, but Chris, uh, the current, uh, Honda challenge, uh, H2 national champion was telling Mm -hmm. me he, he hasn't seen, uh, specific measurements for that, uh, to verify it. But he says, um, you know, that it, it is a little bit smaller, um, and I should be able to pick up a little bit of gearing on that. Um, so yeah, like <laughs> sizes, even though it says 225 and anybody who's been running like the 200 treadwear cheater tires knows that they're pretty much 
there there's no governing body that's going like, hey, this is a little bit wider than what you're saying. It's pretty much yep. they're yep. stamping whatever number they want on there. Yeah, whatever's generally close. That's why some of the classes have, um, like in their rules as far as tire size, they'll give a physical number measurement that you have to measure from sidewall to sidewall. Like they don't care what's on the sidewall of the tire. Yeah, they have like the caliper for time trials yeah. or whatever. Mm-hmm. They're like, it has to be under uh, 256 millimeters. And it's like, right. well, with, will a 225 Hoosier fit in that one? Barely. And <laughs> right. Exactly. So I did a lot of weird stuff with tires when I ran into two. Mm-hmm. Um, talking to one of my friends from down south, we'd always try weird stuff. Mm-hmm. And I had this thought one day. I'm like, you know what? Spec Miata and Specy 30 guys don't complain about their tire. And they're on a 205 on a set. Yep. I'm going to try it and see what it does. And I have the data to prove it. It was same day, new tires, same track, like four, five tenths quicker. So smaller tire. So, I mean, obviously we're, we're also talking about rotational mass. Those are Mm -hmm. compounding uh, variables in there. And someone like me who doesn't have, all the help from a final drive in LSD, I'm looking for any advantage that I can get. And that's why I went down, changed my tire set up to a 225.45. And on the rear, I'll be running a 205s, mainly because okay. on my first race, <clears throat> like a noob, I did a 360 on my first corner because I didn't oh. realize that the Toyos take a minute to warm up. Like, yep. Before, I, w- I would make fun of people that are like, what are they freaking uh, doing the F1 freaking warm-up? And I'm like, now I'm like, no, I need to get these guys up to temp. Because yep. I've never had a tire like punish me like that. It's, what were you on before? Were you on like a 200 treadwear before that? Um, so on on this specific chassis, I was running uh, the Toyo R888Rs. Uh, because they were on sale from, uh, what is it? Um, uh, it's the guys that you use. I think he's one of your sponsor, uh, Phil's tires, uh, service. Yes. He had a a deal a while back and I was able to get him for like 400 and something. And I'm like, fuck yes. And I still qualify for the, uh, Toyo, um, uh, contingency for time trials. So I was like, yeah, let's do it. Let's get it. And yeah, man, like, even when I was running the Maxxis RC1s, like, maybe three, four corners max before I felt like I could start pushing. But with mm-hmm. the Toyo, I felt like, and and it's also, like, my setup. We, we've we talked about spring rates and whatnot, and I'll be running a different spring rate setup for, for HC coming up. But, yeah, it just felt like the rear was cold, and, like, I just didn't have the confidence that I did before. And yeah, I did a 360 and then um, through one corner, um, I touched the berm a little bit and just got like a little bit of opposite lock under braking and then uh, spun me out into the dirt. And I'm like, just like, man, I feel like a noob. Like, just <laughs> like, damn, like, I hope none of my students that I instruct see me do this because they're going to be like, we're not letting this Yahoo drive my shit. <laughs> right yeah oh man yeah, it happens 
I, uh, that's pretty much how I wrecked my old car. Mm-hmm. I had driven it to the track for so many years oh, shit. that the tires would be warm. Even if I wasn't driving on them, they'd be in the Wait, car. you would drive the Toyos there? Well, I did once. Um, oh, generally, my God. <laughs> um, the only ones. I drove to Summit <laughs> with the mom and I think home. Um, whatever. Another story. But um, I went to like a Friday test day before the event, and I had just bought the police car and the tow dolly. So this was the first time I was at the track when it was cooler out on ice cold tires and I didn't even think about it. And I came over, we were at Thunderbolt. So turn two has a crest full 360. I'm like, what is this? Dude, thing, cold tires. How, how does that like, cause psychologically that was almost scarring to me. Like, how does that hit you where you're just like driving and you're like, you're turning in and you have the full confidence of this is going to turn and this is what's going to happen. And then as soon as it doesn't, like, what goes through your mind? Like, did you get hit? Like, for me, it was just, like, something broke. Like, this isn't supposed mm. to happen. Like, what? Like, I felt like I was a pa- passenger and not in control of the vehicle. Yeah. So, I've driven a lot of janky stuff over the years. So, <laughs> kind of used to weird things happening. Um, for me, like, it was a practice day. Nobody was around me. So I knew it when I turned in. I'm like, oh, cold tires. Okay. But I just had driven long enough that I was like, why are they not warm? We had done a couple laps. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I figured, well, they should be warm now. But they weren't. And then I looped it into the wall like three corners later. Great idea. Um, but I don't know. Like I said, I've driven a lot of crappy stuff. And <laughs> just kind of stick my foot in it and go. It's like, okay. Like, yeah, and that's the great thing about front-wheel drive is that uh, usually more skinny pedal can get you out of uh, weird, uh, wiggly stuff. Yeah, until you run out of power. And I've had that happen a couple times. And I'm like, well, now what? I've been floored for like 15 minutes. <laughs> Talk Keep about hearing. running out of power on my D-Series. <laughs> yeah, that must happen real quick. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's run out of power before it gets sideways. <laughs> Oh, man. Um, yeah, I rocked the D-Series for a while. I had a D-15 dual point in my first car. Damn, gangster. speed. Gangster. Oh, yeah. only, only Everybody g- that got rolled at Lime Rock with that car should feel bad. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. So let, let's let's talk a little bit about uh, future and, and goals for Honda Challenge. And look. I think you and I 100% aligned in the idea that I want to keep Honda Challenge relevant and going for as long as I possibly can. And whatever I can do to help that, um, I want to be part of it. And obviously, kind of all the regions are are, are leading by example by going into H2. Um, but what does that actually mean for like the future? What chassis... Is it, in your opinion, kind of the least amount of fiddling that you have to do to get it ready to be um, kind of on pace with H2? Because I know you've made a mention of uh, a couple cars that are already case-swapped or come with those uh, engines already in there, and uh, you have your own opinions about that, and I'd like to hear it. 
Yeah, so the easy button for H2 as far as what you just said. Um, in my opinion, FG2 Civic. So and for I those that don't that know, because, 2006 yeah, to 2011 Civic yep. SI. Yep. And the new ones might also work, like the 12, 13, you know, they had a little facelift. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just I don't know anyone that ran them, but I'm pretty sure like the geometry is the same or similar enough where it works. You know, mm-hmm. pretty good for a spec car. Um, but like for example, there's the reason why people ran those versus the RSX. Uh-huh. The RSX handles like garbage. It's terrible. The back of that car is awful. Front's not great either. But the toe change in the rear is really bad, and that's why you got to run Mikey Spring Race to get it to work or whatever. Um, but like the FG2 Civic, it works. It's one of the best strut cars that Honda makes that I've ever driven against. Every time I raced one in H2, but man, this car is way better than I expected. Really mm-hmm. good on the brakes because it got more tire than everybody else. You know, they're on a 235. Yes, they're heavier, yeah. um, but they work well. They really do work well. Um, they're cheap. I mean, yes, there's some expensive examples out there, but you get yeah. yourself a black one where the clear cone is peeling Woo! for like thirty five hundred bucks, four grand, and you're in there. It's probably already got the Honda in it and all this other nonsense, um, you know. But you know, they're cheap. Honda makes parts for them, performance parts for them, mm-hmm. uh, and they're supported by the aftermarket. Um, you know, if you're coming from a golden era car to one of those, it takes a little getting used to as far as working on it because you got to drop the subframe, you get the transmission out, and it's know, a nightmare. A like, like, I I I can literally speak speak to this because I work on both of those on my mm. 2009 Civic uh, SI sedan, and the EG that I'm currently in, and mm-hmm. yes, the EG. It's like I open the hood and I can see everything. I can see where the bolts are. I can like look at something and then go, okay, this is the way I have to go to get to this and move this. Mm-hmm. With the F with the FA five, my uh sedan, I open the hood and I'm like, fuck, I'm gonna have to dig before I can get to the part that I need to. Like to do the clutch on the EG is just like, all right, I see the two bolts right there. They're probably a twelve or a ten. And I, mm-hmm. I can get them. I go into the F, FA5 and I look and I'm like, fuck, there's a spacer? There's a disconnect? Oh, man, this is going to be a nightmare. Oh, so, yeah. frame, you got to hold the engine up. Oh, yeah, they're definitely a little harder to, well, a little harder. They're harder to work on. But um, it but handles well. The, uh, it handles right. well for what it is. And it's, I think uh, one of the guys from Slip Angle in, Again, I I have nothing but respect for Adam and uh, all the guys over there at Grid Life. They do awesome events, and shout out to them for bringing more people into the sport. Um, The the chassis, I I think, for what it is, stock, handles really well, and it feels, um, obviously because it's a more modern car, it just feels like it's less flimsy than when you go on a golden era honda like i feel oh, yeah. i feel more even with the electronic steering that it has i feel like mm-hmm. i've got more of a direct connection with everything going on where my eg before the cage it felt a little like eh, 
I can feel oh, everything yeah. pivoting, you know? Yep. That's a huge thing. When you put a cage in one of those cars, like, oh, the back's attached to the front. <laughs> you know, but yeah. you're talking about a gap of like, you know, 20 years, you know, in some cases, 30 years, if you're running an older mm-hmm. Civic, stuff like that. Yeah. And um, I mean, and Honda's the type of manufacturer that has been putting a lot of money into research and development. So even though something is not as optimum as a double A arm suspension, like they did really good work with the uh, Civic. And I think much like what the guys from uh, Slip Angle and Grid Life were saying, I think that East Generation Civic was the last one where you didn't have a, a lot of electronic things that you had to fight against. Yes. In terms of uh, getting it out on track, like we're seeing mm-hmm. with the new Supra, where you have to put like isolators or something so the ABS doesn't or traction control doesn't trip out when you're trying to do stuff with it. And I mean that's yeah. an impressive car, but um, there are definitely some learning pains that are going with that one. Oh yeah, did you see that video that's floating around with the guy the Camaro driving <laughs> a truck out by you goes over that? Oh, I shared that ball? one. Yeah, I yeah. shared that one. Uh huh. What? <laughs> Dude, I, I think I've seen like Ace Gen Civic's roll in the side, uh, like the side airbags don't blow up or or something like right? that. Yeah. So I mean, yeah. On mine, I still have I mean, all my airbags, a... so I'm I'm still I'm still good. But still yeah. good. Yeah, I mean, there's going to be a trade off with new stuff, obviously, as time goes on. Like I know people that have run. Um, Honda has the new Civic SI and the Type mm-hmm. R that you can buy, fully blown and ready to go. And uh, High Speed Motorsports in Connecticut has two. And um, they were telling me the stuff that it's just a new car and it's stuff that you kind of got to fiddle around with electronics wise. Mm-hmm. You know, like one car really doesn't like you to left foot brake, so it like cuts the throttle and weird little stuff like that. Like you turn traction control and stability off, but it's still kind of on and you can feel it. So you're always going to have these trade-offs, but like if you can get a chassis, that's good. Yeah. That's, it's harder to fix a chassis that's broken. Yeah. It is to fix electronics that's broken. Yeah. And I mean, dude, like Carlos, I remember he was telling me that because he, he was working with auto fashion um, I think they're still working together to uh, do that uh, time attack uh, type bar that they have. And uh, mm-hmm. some of the electronics things, like they were kind of uh, hindering in its specific years and whatnot. And yep. I remember he told me he was driving an Accord one time and that for whatever reason he switched lanes without putting uh, the blinker on and the car hit the brakes and jerked him back over to the lane that he was on and he's just like, holy shit. And oh, yeah. I, I'd, I'd be terrified if oh, I was yeah. in a car that all of a sudden did something like that. And I was not expecting it. Right. Yeah. My friend's got a newer Volvo. They bought for his wife, you know, took the kids around and whatnot. And they went somewhere to pick something up. So she's sitting in the car with the baby. And for some reason, the key fob, you know, he had the key fob on him and I don't know what happened, but they basically got locked in whatever position they were in. She was locked in the car and couldn't get out. What? She was locked out of the car and couldn't get in. Yeah. And like the remote wouldn't work and there's no button that you can flip, you know, inside the car because it's all electronic stuff. He had to like walk away from the car 
so it didn't see the remote anymore, then unlock it, and then come back. So it went back to Volvo, and it was there for a while. And I'm like, oh, yeah, we got to figure something out. So, yeah, new cars are a little funky. Yeah, and I mean, now with all of these uh, systems, and I mean, let's be honest, we're using them for a lot less of what the intended use are for oh, these 100%. cars. Uh, 100%. So, like, a lot of these, like, safe driving things where they'll hit the brakes for you and calibration of all these cameras that are now working in together with um, mm-hmm. systems like the brakes, the acceleration, traction control, all of those little compounding variables. We don't know what's going to happen when you want the car to rotate. And it's been programmed not to let the car spin out of control. Yeah. A lot of times you can't. Um but like I said, it's easier to fix, quote unquote, broken electronics. Yeah. So if somebody makes a flash for it, you know, that will Bing, bang, boom. let you do some things, you know, because sometimes you can't just turn everything off mm-hmm. uh, because like I forget what car it was. Um, actually, probably a lot of them are like this now where the brake bias is built into mm. the ABS pump. So days of, eh, I'm going to pull the ABS fuse and I won't have traction control and whatnot. It doesn't work. Now you just have full-on rear brakes or full-on front brakes and it doesn't work. But if you yeah. can like have a flash that fixes these things, it's easier than a car with horrible geometry and you're cutting it up yeah. trying to fix it. Yeah. And I mean, for the most part, most modern cars, and I've had, you know, the really, I, I've been really lucky in that I've been instructing with NASA. I've driven a lot of modern cars and you know it's not like the cars from yesteryear i think you and i are kind of closer in age where you know the 90s late 90s cars were kind of uh our our sofa if you will of uh knowledge mm-hmm. um yeah where you could have a brand new car that handled like shit where now right. you have brand new cars that are eh, it's good you could use some tires and uh some brakes and You'd be uh, pretty good for, uh, you know, your DE and maybe even some time trial on it. And yeah, yeah, cars today don't suck at turning. Right. Yeah. (laughs) My friend's got a a pretty new Audi and uh, we used to autocross together back in the day. (laughs) But yeah, I want to do a a track event with the car at some point. You know, Mm -hmm. we just never made it to the track. And I'm like, take a car. Oh, I gotta get this. I gotta get that. Like the, literally, the only thing that car will need is brake pads and fluid. Because yeah. quick, twenty T, it probably has a chip or something like that, so it goes. You know, she wanted to be able to stop, and I was like, "You don't need anything else." Like I've driven them mm-hmm. and instructed in them, and they are plenty capable, like you said, in in completely stock form. Mm-hmm. So well, I think um, going back to the whole Honda um, H two. Given the prices, and I think in terms of also one of the things we didn't uh, mention was uh, of the eighth generation Civic and why it's so good for H4 or H2 um, is because it's got a great motor in it. And it also has a, a great transmission with LSD. So in terms of easy button, you're talking about a car that maybe needs a final drive and uh, put a cage in it. Do some lightweight work to it, and it's it's a it's a car that has space to be in H two. Yeah, yeah. Put a cage, put suspension. If you get one that's got a limited slip, rock it until you feel like you need a more aggressive limited slip. 
uh, yeah, and, and go for it. Um, final drive would help. But uh, I think cost-effective-wise, it's probably the way to go moving forward. Mm-hmm. So, like, right now, maybe it's not the absolute cheapest way, or maybe you're breaking even. Um, they're not the most absolute competitive car. And what I mean by that is, like, on every single track, uh, you know, the, your tighter stuff, they may not be as good because they're heavier than, yeah. let's say, in a trigger with a Type R. But, you know, a place like VIR for us out here that's, you know, pretty fast track or Watkins Glen, another fast track, I think they'll do well. Mm-hmm. Um, but just the sheer fact of, like, you could still get a bumper for it if you want to go to true. Honda and get one. I bought the last EG bumper and it's sitting <laughs> in my shed because when I crashed the Glen, that was the bumper that was on it. There are no more. There are no more. You got it. There are no more. I remember when we bought it and they were like, yeah, Honda said this is it. There ain't no more. I'm like, well probably going to destroy it at some point <laughs> but um you know you can get parts they made a ton of those like any other civic you know so you had your base yeah. model civic but the body panels are pretty similar yeah um, i mean i could take a fender from point. yeah from a base model and then bolt it onto mine and if the color code is the same then i don't even have to color uh, match it so right yeah. and if it's like a race car and you wrapped it let's say you just wrap the fender and slap it on yeah you know, you're not dealing with horrible chinese parts that don't fit um, Although the, the Chinese, my car. the the <laughs> Chinese parts nowadays, you know, the, for the newer stuff, I I think you know they're getting better. Like the stuff, they're actually, stepping up. Yeah, they're stepping up, man. Okay, all right. I mean, I got a lot of my bumper is Amazon or eBay, whatever. The <laughs> uh, headlights are many, many, many iterations <laughs> of eBay. Um, the fenders were free. Somebody gave me fenders. I don't know where they came from. I, I literally got free fenders as well. So, <laughs> yeah. Shout yeah. out to 404 Civic. Love you guys. There you go. Yep. Yeah. Dave Marino from um, DM Parts, all the case series stuff. He parts out and stuff like that. He's like, I got some EG fenders. You want them? They're pink. I'm like, yes. And then when I crashed my car at the Glen, I was like, sick. Got fenders. It's one less thing I got to buy. <laughs> awesome. So, I guess for kind of like wrapping up the the whole thing that I think you were very passionate about explaining is that, you know, just because there's a change in the rules or just because there's certain things going out on there, it's not the rules committee trying to like personally attack you, even though, you know, they made the B18 so slightly lighter and now my car is not, not as, don't I don't have that weight advantage that I used to have but it's not because Spencer wants me to swap to a K series yet. It's exactly uh, it's it, it's to make it more fair for everybody. And of course, it's because Carlos has just been kicking everybody's butt with the freaking uh, B18s out there in his single cam, and you know, showing people what's up that they need to step their game up. Yeah, and honestly, if that didn't happen, that rule would have never been changed. Um, and I don't follow like West Coast H4 super hard. Mm-hmm. So I didn't even know that that was going on out there. And he was really killing everybody. So when that rule came out, I'm like, really? Okay. But there was tons of data in the, in the request. And uh, I think I had asked Marcel about it. He goes, no, this guy's actually like rolling through everybody. <laughs> okay. Well, yeah. I guess we got to do something about it. You know, but it was just one of those combos where like, I would never put a D series in my car. Cause I don't even know where you'd buy one. 
Yeah, but I, it works. I, I have two. I have two, so I'm hoping that both of them last me a good while. And I have good engine builders that uh that did a awesome job on mine because I've been able to test it on highway driving for 17 hours nonstop, and then driving to and back from the track with two mm-hmm. drivers driving it in time trials and in H4. So um, I'm happy with it. Shout out to freaking Alanis and uh, bad guys worldwide cole who did my block and alanis who did my head so yeah those are like og honda people which oh yeah yeah love yeah you got a serious motor there then i mean it makes 115 to the wheels on uh oem mounts so i think some little stiffening ones that i got off of uh amazon uh should Mm -hmm. help uh like the torque come down because torque i was actually surprised that it made like 101 foot pounds of torque okay for for a decent for a little single jingle with a carb, uh, catalytic uh, converter still on there. I, I think it's. I good. was gonna ask you if you still had a cat on it. Yeah, I do. So, <laughs> someone had to have asked you this question before, but why not run a test pipe when you're at the track and make a little more power? I mean, I could do that, but then again, that's me getting underneath the car, wrenching and doing all of that, where I'm like. 10 seconds away from uh, the pack. So I'm like, the difference isn't in the cat. The difference is in me driving and doing all of that. So I want to focus on the parts that I'm deficient at, which is Mm -hmm. the car's overweight. uh, The gearing's not, the tires weren't the best setup for my gearing. So let me, let me get all of those things out there. And once, you know, I, I get a little bit closer to the competition, then I can start, focusing on that because i I like to fixate on where's my biggest gains and i don't think uh, on the on the test pipe i have that much gains but i am looking to do a swap on the muffler because i'm trying to get this thing as light as possible and i know that freaking yonaka catback exhaust that i have that muffler probably weighs over 25 pounds because i weighed the factory one and that one's 25 pounds, and the Yonaka one's way bigger. Yeah, I bet you could probably save that entire 25 pounds with a different exhaust. Oh, I'm sure it's more. What I wanted to do was where it bolts up to the muffler. I wanted to do a V-band and then just have mm-hmm. a little light uh, turn down so that yep. the exhaust isn't like blowing onto the lower control arm on the rear. Yeah, yeah, that's a good idea. I know somebody that was struggling to make some power for a little while in H2 uh, with a B16 at the time. Similar setup to mine, and I couldn't figure out why he wasn't making power. And then he told me he still had a cat on the car. I was like, well, that's why you don't make any power. I said, really? You take that thing off. Took it off, gained all the horsepower he was missing. So, so how much power do you think I would gain if I took that uh because uh, it's not just a federal cat. It's a California carb cat. Like, it's a legit one. Man, I think on a D-series, it'd probably be good for at least N. <laughs> N horsepower? Uh, I, I would say 10. I'll say 10. Put on a dyno, see what it does. I'm probably wrong, but it's got to be worth something. A, a California cat? Yeah, baby. Oh, which means it's stock size on its inlet and its outlet. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I'm I'm gonna say ten. Ten horsepower. I'm gonna say ten. Like I said, could be wrong. 
Still got my fire suit on, so I'm still safe <laughs> over here. But, yeah, I mean, that's like, is it even two inch on the inlet and the outlet? Uh, I don't know, but it bolts up directly to the uh, DC header because I have the four into one uh, ceramic okay. coated one. Again, shout right. out to Facebook Market Flake marketplace mark zuckerberg your algorithm is always sending me the coolest parts that i need <laughs> we send this guy all the d-series parts yeah so um and you for sending me anybody who's uh posts a d-series stuff even though it's in florida right and maybe they'll <laughs> ship it or something nobody else wants it who knows but yeah, like uh, yeah, it's got to be worth a couple horsepower. But yeah, I mean, like you said, you've got a bunch to do. Yeah, gearing and weight, and you're still learning. You yeah. know, you've been racing for a year, so even coming from time trials and going to racing, it's it's different. It is, you know, so. qualifying, knowing that if I go off, I can still stay in it and go, even though uh, right? I, I, I've been uh, told, hey, uh, that was pretty cool of you uh, driving the dirt, but maybe not do that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah i mean there's a difference between you guys and us you guys have dirt we have grass when you go off track yeah I, i've always been surprised and this is something that i mentioned to the guys from garage heroes i'm like dude what kind of sprinkler system do you guys have over there like your water bill must be ridiculous to have grass on a racetrack i'm like that's wild <laughs> Well, we get we have this like different sprinkler system than you guys, where like it comes from the top down. Um, yeah, I mean, it must be like an East Coast thing. You guys do it from the bottom up, but so that helps. That helps. Yeah. You know, yeah. so you're not driving over the the heads when you go off track. You know, they're, they're in the sky essentially. So mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. that's help. Yep. Well, Spencer, we're at like an hour and 20 minutes almost. And, yeah. you know, like, dude, uh, you were one of the first people that I've reached out to to have on the podcast. And your wealth of information, I've followed you, as you can tell from the purple suit, um, for a long time. <laughs> for a long time. And I've been a, a fan of your Lobuck style and, you know, the Kill Me K-Swap with all the fun stuff and all the update information that you do. Um, update. <laughs> I mean, dude, it, it's been a, a, a pleasure to have you on. And again, to um, kind of explain a little bit of the rules committee thought process on that. And, you know, I don't, I don't feel that there's malice in any of those things. And you guys have the same uh, goal as I do. And, you know, any way that I can do to kind of keep, this thing going that's honda challenge and i'm i'm a huge fan and i wanted to continue and you know whatever i think is whatever's going to help the sport grow and get more people in there i'm about it and hopefully i can share this message and people uh don't have to make the mistakes that i have or you have in the past and hopefully that gets them out to the track sooner definitely um what I would say as far as growing Honda Challenge from what I've learned over the years is Honda Challenge grows itself. Mm -hmm. So I don't ever try to force people, like, hey, man, you got a Honda, you should come race with us. Like you said, how, and I think it's every region, Honda Challenge is like this, where it's almost like a little family and everybody helps everyone. Mm -hmm. That's what people see from the outside of everybody hanging out, everybody's cool and helping each other out. 
And when it comes time for those people to go racing, they're like, I don't want to race with those guys. I don't have to worry about this guy, like, protesting me for something stupid. I'm sure it does happen, but, you know, in general. Yeah, I mean, and I think in Honda Challenge, you'll never... Yeah, like, you're not going to deal... Like, you'd have to be really... you know, I'll save that. <laughs> we'll talk yeah, about yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. I don't I'm have like, a fire suit. Get, I don't have a fire yes, suit. It does happen. It does happen. Uh, you know, people get tight, but um, uh, you know, in uh, general, it's it's always been that way. Mm-hmm. Um, like I felt almost like a proud parent when Mid Atlantic came back because there wasn't a lot of hunting challenge out there for a little while, mm-hmm. and it came back like it never left. They're like a little family down there. They yeah, Mid Atlantic. Dude, seeing them uh, and the meme war going on with uh, Texas was fucking golden. <laughs> I, I was lo- I was so happy that I was able to get uh, both of them on. Uh, Chris, <laughs> oh it man, brought me back to Facebook. <laughs> I was like, "This is happening. <laughs> I need to watch it. This is the best." The Michael oh. Jackson eating popcorn meme just going and going. <laughs> oh yeah, oh yeah, hundred percent. I think I added to that a little bit, but. That's awesome. But, um, yeah, and as far as, like, us on the rules committee, I mean, we're not trying to screw everyone, even though it kind of seems like it if people's rules don't go through. Yeah. We generally have a reason as to why. Yeah. And, I'm you still know, a I know hurt. some things... I'm still a little hurt what? for the... A little butt hurt that now my... I lost a 100-pound advantage. A little butt hurt. Oh, yeah, but, yeah. But, well, you know... Blame your friend. Blame yeah. your friend. But you know, that's, that's him. Balance that's of performance. Him. I understand. I don't think anybody, aside from Marcel, that's on the rules committee, I was an H4. So, yeah. <laughs> you know, it didn't benefit anything. <laughs> um, but, you know, and there's some stuff that people ask for, and it seems great on paper, but we've done it already. Mm-hmm. And we know it doesn't work. So, yeah. I mean, that's the whole podcast. I'm not going to go into that, but, you know, we're not trying to piss everybody off and not do things for any particular reason you generally have an idea as to why something is or is not going to go through and, and sometimes it's not even us uh we'll go through something and yeah okay this is good and it has to get cleared by national and the national has a reason for not you know mm-hmm. letting it through so you know there's a lot that goes on in the background that people don't see but man they like to set us on fire on the internet and 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 now you know we have at least you know you you've been able to speak and uh give that perspective and i'm so happy to be able to share that perspective and it's a conversation it's you know nothing's gonna get like misconstrued by like saying well use this word when you typed it out versus when you hear somebody talking it's it's a lot easier to get that information. It comes through a little bit easier, I think. Yep, yep. And I think, I mean, with the internet, and it kind of really mm-hmm. connects people really tightly, and most people know how to get in touch with me. Mm-hmm. So if for some reason somebody's got a Honda question or a Honda Challenge thing or whatever, and they're not getting the information they need, let's say from their group leader, or whatever the case may be, I'm not trying to throw anybody on the bus, but feel free, hit me up. You know, message me on Instagram because or Facebook too. I'll I'll see it, and if I can answer your question to like give you some clarification on it, I will do what I can. Awesome! And guys, with that, you know, follow Spencer on his uh, 
Instagram, which I think he's uh, most uh, most active on, and it's uh, yep. your handle is Lobuck. Um, yeah, it's L O underscore B U K Motorsports. Yeah, and with that, guys, I'll see you next Monday, Lobuck Spencer Anderson. Thank you for coming on and giving us an update. Honda Challenge! Honda Challenge! Thank you.